Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ask the CEO with Avraham Gatile. Today, I'd like to introduce a very special guest. He's the global coordinator for the Charter of Trust with Siemens. It is my pleasure to welcome Kai Hermsen. Welcome, Kai. Thanks, Avraham. Thanks for having me again. I think last time was almost two years ago, so it's good to be back. Yes, time flies, and you know, so much changes uh, in, in such a short span of time. I could only imagine uh, things that have changed over the last two years. Can you briefly summarize what is the Charter of Trust and where is it being used today? Yeah, but I mean, you say it doesn't get boring in cybersecurity, nor does it get boring in any digital sphere, right? So we we founded um, the Charter of Trust in February of 2018. So, well, it it will have its third birthday very soon. Um, it was founded as an initiative among companies that wanted to make an impact in the world of cybersecurity. We came together thinking that, well, we need to change how we look at cybersecurity and how we do it. And to do so, we formulated 10 principles, 10, let's say, progressive principles that still hold true today. So even after all these events, all the solar winds and the ransomware and whatever happened, they still hold true, which is, you know, has a certain magic to it. And we're still working on on implementing these, adopting these, and maybe changing a little bit how companies look at cybersecurity. And all of this is based on collaboration. That's the, that's the core, is collaboration and leading by example. That's the child of trust. Yeah, get, you know, get away from the siloed mentality and work together to solve the problem. Absolutely. That's, you know, that's the core. Uh, and we still believe that is so, so true, right? All of these challenges we can only solve by coming closer together, working together. And well, look at SolarWinds, uh, Orion case. That's exactly the essence of why we need to work together, right? It, you know, and the threat actors all work together. Yeah. And so, so we have to do the same and, and it just works better. That's for sure. So, you know, you, you hit upon um, one of the hot topics of the past year, you know, mentioning SolarWinds. Yeah. So 2020 has seen headlines dominated by cybersecurity. You know, we've had data breaches in all sectors and by very prominent brands, uh, such as Microsoft, Facebook, Twitter, Honda, Zoom, Marriott, and so on. You know, no one is immune to that. Um, what's worse is that hackers are shutting down hospitals with debilitating ransomware. And the thing is that many data breaches are caused not by ineffective firewalls or cybersecurity protocols, but as you know, through human weaknesses that are exploited via social engineering activities like phishing. Um, and you know, I just wanna state, before anyone passes judgment on the people that fall for these tricks, I've seen many of these emails and they look pretty convincing. How can businesses better protect their consumers and themselves from these types of attacks? Yeah, yeah, that, I mean, that's a tricky bit. I've also seen these emails coming to me and, you know, only for a split second, I thought, okay, wait a minute, I have to act. And then I realized, oh, it's probably phishing. And what makes matters worse, with so many people now working from home, they're in their home, they're in a safe environment and they get these emails, which statistically speaking, there's the likelihood of them not you know, recognizing that it's phishing is higher. So, you know, that's 
that's a challenge of our time. If there were two things that this last year has shown is A, cyber threats are real, they're there, and whoever doesn't protect him or herself, you know, is has a weakness or has a has a, has a risk. And the second thing is what happens online in the virtual world does have an impact on the real world, right? That's the second thing yeah. I think we've learned, in, you know, during 2020 and even at the beginning now of 2021, right? Um, so we need to act on this and we need to take people along. And you said something interesting. Yes, they are in, in a way, people are the weak link. And my key question is how can we turn them into something very strong? And how can we look at people and users differently in the world of cybersecurity? Because, you know, it doesn't work without users. Um, and for in the past, you know, for cybersecurity professionals, maybe that might have even been a problem, the user, the stupid user. So we need to think about this differently. And I think it starts with accepting that cybersecurity is a strategic or should be a strategic source of opportunity, right? To turn it into something positive. Cybersecurity has the power to safeguard um, our digital business models and make them sustainable. And hence we need to see it this way. And I think then it also becomes easier to invest in the, in the right measures of technology, governance and into the organization and the people. And if I think if companies do this or if organizations do this, they might well find a good recipe to be more resilient, even against phishing attacks. Yeah, that's very well said, um, because just like humans are the weakest link uh, in cybersecurity, humans are also the front line. So, you know, you get them involved and you get people educated, they're, go they're going to be your, your frontline protection against these kinds of attacks. Yeah, absolutely. And you see, Avon, in, in big organizations, there's, of course, many people, but there's also a lot of invest in technology and in governance and you name it, right? There's, there's these big organizations thinking about small and medium-sized enterprises um, where they don't necessarily have the luxury of having this big cybersecurity organization. So they rely even more on their people because all of them have people, right? Um, and so they, they need to find even better ways to make cybersecurity a job for everybody. And that's why it's so important. And, you know, here's something interesting. Um, uh, it's very it's very commonly said in the cybersecurity industry that it's not a matter of if, but when. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things that I found very alarming this past year is the way that um, threat actors target uh, individuals and businesses. And it used to be if you were a small business, you were kind of under the radar. And, mm -hmm. you know, chances of you getting hacked would be minimal. But what I've experienced this year, you know, I'm a small business. I'm relatively insignificant in terms of the greater scheme of things. Um, I've been getting some very targeted emails like, uh, um, you know, like a, it looks like a, coming from an IT department and it has a picture of my face and, you know, CEO. Like they went through all this trouble to try to get someone from my team to click on that. And you know that's a that's a very scary thing. If they're going after someone like me, um, you could imagine they're you know they're going after the big guys as well. Yeah, 
absolutely i think that's that's what happens you know cyber threat is real it can hit everyone small medium sized enterprises also individuals are you know subject to risk uh, think about the, the numbers the shocking numbers we've seen of on identity threat you know stealing an identity is also has become in a way a business and that's why cyber literacy is also so important for business people like us but also for a lot of actually for everybody for individuals everybody who is active online needs to understand at least the basics around how do i securely navigate the digital space it's kind of like navigating you know traffic you also have certain rules you are being educated um there's there's something you can learn or you must learn before you participate in said activity and i think we need to do the same also in the virtual world we need a certain form of literacy to navigate securely the digital world i think for that's sure. just reality for sure so so let's take this a, a, a bit further and let's look at the same challenge we just discussed from the perspective of the consumer Uh, according to market analysis by Digital Commerce 360, US e-commerce sales in Q3 of 2020 was 37.1% higher than the same period of the previous year. So this shows that people are doing more online transactions than ever before. Now, one of the tenets of the charter of trust is the trust and this type of activity requires a massive amount of trust. Now, unfortunately, you can't trust everyone. And even the most trustworthy companies are vulnerable to phishing attacks, like we just discussed. I mean, anybody can fall prey to that. What kind of protection can we put in place to be able to sustain this kind of growth? Well, I think 2020 has been... In, in, in that sense, an impressive year because it put so much weight on, on the digital infrastructure, be it e-commerce, as you just mentioned, but also for a lot of other activities. Look, our social interactions depend so much on virtual these days as they haven't before, right? My kid was on a Zoom lesson earlier today yeah. to, to go to her music school classes. Right? She's four years old. I mean, that that's a difference. Plus, fighting the pandemic, relies a lot on digital technology. So it, it's no question all of this has become more important. Hence, we need to care for the trust of that digital technology even more. And I think one recipe that we've in the Chart of Trust made a very good experience with is are these principles to be very clear on what are the principles against which we want to live cybersecurity, then back them up with measures and adopt these measures, very concrete ones, like, for example, um, requirements for the supply chain, requirements we put on suppliers so that this whole supply chain is a little bit more secure, right? Uh, another one would be, what do we want to do on education? What are the requirements we put on ourselves as organizations to educate our people? Now, these principles need to then be put into, into life, like I said, and that, again, against the dimensions of technology, organization, and governance. And I'm well aware that, you know, trust is not just security. Uh, it is one important element in there, but trust really is, 
is kind of principled behavior, if you will. It's principled behavior in, in all of digital. So it, of course, it also applies increasingly to artificial intelligence, for example. Privacy is a topic, data governance. And I personally, I believe this approach of collaboratively working on the principles, formulating them, and then trying to put them into place could not just work for cybersecurity, but also for topics like artificial intelligence, data governance, and privacy. And there you go. Then you, then you do an effort to become more trustworthy as an organization, which ultimately, hopefully, will earn you the trust of users. Um, and of course, it's a never-ending story, right? You constantly have to work for it. Um, and that can bring you this trust that we were talking about. Now, as you know, trust needs to be earned. Um, mm -hmm. And given the fact that, uh, you know, like we discussed with regard to the numbers, um, online uh, transactions have just gone up. And especially now with the pandemic, uh, this has become our new norm. So it, it's no longer um, a matter of, well, you know, don't shop over there because, you know, they're a new um, e-tailer. It's really, you know, everything's online. So it's no different than you going into a mall and walking into this store, walking into this store. Now we, we, we have no choice anymore. You know, all these physical stores are not accessible to a large number of the population because people are on lockdown. So we have to go shopping online, but identity theft is a really big concern because how do I know that number one, this um, online retailer is trustworthy. Number two, even if they are, uh, all we need is one data breach and boom, you know, now, my, now I'm worried about identity theft. What protections are there in place that somebody like myself, a consumer can uh, go shopping online and uh, um, not worry so much about identity theft. Well, that's a worry I have, obviously, but because we're shopping also a lot online. Now, I have to admit that from a professional perspective, e-commerce isn't exactly, let's say, my, my cup of tea because Siemens is more B2B, right? Business to business. Still, of course, that all relates back to, let's say, security and privacy. Right? Identity theft is probably a little bit more privacy even than, than security, but, but of course they are kind of, you know, intertwined both of these topics. I think we will see a shift uh, in, in, in the type of technologies that, that uh, you know, are looking exactly at this. I think it starts with identity, like you mentioned, like how do you provide your identity as a person? Identity for me really is the is the transition from the real world, the Avraham as you are, as you're sitting there, to the real world with your identity, right? You have to have a digital identity to partake in any kind of virtual activities. Now, the solutions we are relying on to date are, for, for my understanding, not really progressive if it comes to digital identity. I think there's, there's a lot to come um, with self-sovereign identities, for example, where, where it's not so easy anymore for the perpetrators to steal identity and also not to cause that much of harm. I think that some place where we have to start, um, where also e-commerce has to start, and then there's a lot of other activities like, for example, um, sophisticated uh, rating 
systems that help, you know, safeguard or also translate the trust that you know from the real world into the virtual world, right? Um, I think there's, there's more to come. Um, these are some types of the te technologies I see, and some of them are already being put into place, but, well, we need to see more of that, obviously. For sure. This technology is constantly evolving, and it's just very fascinating to see the different solutions that are coming out in order to address this problem with trust. Now, for those people that might not be as familiar with the terminology, can you just elaborate what self-sovereign means? Yeah, great question, Avram. Well, self-sovereign means that the, the way that the identity is, is granted uh, and is executed is, is given back to the individual. Right? So I, as an individual, still have the power to exert or to, to grant that identity when I go virtual. The idea is that so far there have been identity providers that, you know, were, let's say, in charge of, the, of, of granting identity. Some of the big players um, that, you know, are coming predominantly from social media or search engines are the ones that grant most of the identities. And they do so uh, because, well, they have, they have another interest. They, you know, for them, it's a business. Now, with all that data uh, and identity theft, there is a good rationale why the power should be given back to the users, to the citizens. And that's what, uh, what self-sovereign is, is trying to do. And we will see more of these ideas, even like mine, you know, how to, and I think it ties back to the user or the human being a weak link towards, hey, they need to become a part of this game a substantial part to give, to get back power and in the end are probably and hopefully more secure and well navigate this space a little bit better i'm really looking forward to seeing how that evolves because that that is going to be a game changer for uh, the online um, the online transactions absolutely i i think so too and you know, there's, there's already so many good things happening. And if we focus a little bit on these good things happening, I think we can be hopeful for not only 2021, but also the years ahead. So about the years ahead, what do you think is the next step for Siemens regarding the Charter of Trust? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I said it earlier, we're already growing a little bit more mature with the Charter of Trust. It's turning three now. So what we've seen that a lot of these principles that we defined early on three years ago, now we've backed up with more concrete, okay, what is it that is behind, you know, the requirements for the supply chain, but also requirements for security by default. So we, we define more, what is that actually that we mean and what do we strive for? Now it's really even more about adoption. It is even more about also capacity building. We realize very well that um, it's not just 17 or so companies that are now in the chart of trust that need to improve to make cybersecurity better, but we also need to take others along. And that's what I mean with capacity building. We cannot just ask, we also need to build capacity. And then there's also more, even more dialogue necessary uh, between the companies, between the organizations, but also with authorities, with academia. And that's something that we're that we are going to foster. And we see a lot of demand actually, interestingly enough, even after three years, 
um, the demand is still on the rise. You know, there's so many organizations that want to exchange and that want to be part of this. Uh, and I think that's fascinating. And that's a really good sign. If, if you remember in our uh, conversation a, a few years back, my prediction was that the charter of trust is going to become the gold standard uh, against which businesses are measured. And, and it looks like uh, that prediction is coming true. Well, yeah, I, I still remember that very well. And thanks for speaking of the gold standard, of course, but I might be a little bit subjective there. I see it as the gold standard. What we do see, and, and maybe in that sense, that prediction actually really became true, is that there are rating agencies, for example, increasingly looking also at security and security posture. And even the Dow Jones Sustainability Index now looks at cybersecurity as part of sustainability. And I think that's great because it's a good driving for even more organizations to, to really become serious on cybersecurity. Absolutely. Kai, how can people connect with you? Well, best way is via LinkedIn, obviously. So just find my name there and, and I'm happy to connect. Then uh, the other way would be Twitter, um, where it's Hermes and Kai, so kind of the other way around. Um, and well, I'm, I'm more than happy to exchange, interact um, and speak. Great. And I'll post that to the show notes and people can just click on there and get right to you. Great. That's, that's lovely. Thank you, Akron. Kai, do you have any parting words of wisdom that you'd like to share with the audience? Well, for me, one thing is very clear. The virtual world and the real world are deeply intertwined. And my vision and really my driving force is that there are some issues with the virtual world, and we know that. Now, if we fix these issues in the virtual world, we can have a very good impact on the real world. And ultimately, I think that should be the goal, uh, look at the sustainable development goals and, and put them into place. That's really the driving force because we need the virtual world to reach them in time and you know also effectively. That's great. Kai, thank you so much for sharing your time and your wisdom. I really enjoyed having you on the show. Thanks, Avraham, for inviting me. And well, it was great again. And see you in two years, I would say, right? Or maybe a little bit earlier. Hopefully sooner. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Avram. It was great.